Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. We're going live today uh, with myself and Joe Thomas, fresh from the the, the train from uh, Houston back up to to Lime Street, and uh, plenty of rain and plenty of controversy along along the way. You're, you're itching to say something, there, Joe? A three-hour train journey, just fueled by the fume. I think, wasn't it? That's <laughs> <laughs> it. I think we could have carried on going. I reckon Preston, Eric, Edinburgh would have been in our sights if they'd let us carry on going. Wow. And of course, uh, Gavin Buckland, of course, our, our regular guest is, is here to uh, to uh, uh, sit between us and uh, keep good order, I, I guess. Um, but yeah, um, obviously a goalless draw at Crystal Palace, third round of the the, the FA Cup, and uh, it looked like it was going to be, um, you know, a, sort of a, a a quiet evening, maybe one of frustration with the stalemate and it petering out to to the draw, which obviously it did. But then there was that um, hugely controversial incident towards the end where Dominic Calvert Lewin was um, sent off after the VAR review, a decision we already know that Everton uh, are now appealing. Um, your thoughts, Joe, at the time and, and your thoughts now, I guess? Yeah, well, I mean, it was a game that really the headlines will focus on the last 15 minutes, don't they? I think, you know, sitting there in the in the press box at Salas Park, still thawing out and, and getting dry after just being absolute. I mean, the conditions were appalling yeah. all the way throughout yesterday. I think at one point, about, about an hour before kickoff, the match officials were really starting to get worried about the state of the pitch. Like, I don't know if anyone said that on TV, but you could see him bustling around and just starting to worry about whether puddles were going to start to form. Obviously, that that didn't happen. But, you know, 20 minutes out, I'm there thinking, difficult sell this game in, in terms of how we, we analyse it. I thought there were positives even at 0-0. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't the most cohesive display, but there were some good individual performances from fringe players and my match report was going to be built around Arno Danjuma effectively taking his chance. Didn't set the world alight, but you know, produced a good performance. Probably when he just when there's the most scrutiny on his Everton career so far. Then you have the last 15 minutes. Obviously, you know, you have the red card, which I'll come to you next. But you also had the, the sad scenes of Dwight McNeil getting stretched off. Obviously, the main talking point currently is is the red card, and I think that I probably speak for everybody within the press box, and I the away fans, the 4,000 away fans, and, and probably whether they'd like to admit it or not, the home fans as well, which when that passage of play unfolded, I think there was a, a, almost a little gasp of surprise when just out of the blue after the chance had gone from that move, we're all you know, woken from our stupor by this 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 strange announcement um, from the Tannoy system at Salas Park. It's like an intergalactic, yeah. funky. You know, it, was a really, <laughs> it was a really strange way to announce it. Like yeah, I don't we know, know, we'd noticed that back in November, hadn't we? When we were yeah, there, these, I, I, these strange noises. Nothing like what we have at Goodison Park, <laughs> but 
but to say that to say that the VAR was checking for a red card and, and the first question on on Apple's lips was well, well what what for and I think that probably goes to the heart of this issue mm, you yeah. know in real time yeah. nobody I don't think anybody on the pitch or in the stands and obviously this includes Chris Cavana who had a good view of it thought there was any incident of any note there to the point where everyone was just surprised when that conversation starts happening we hear there's a VAR check and then obviously that snowballs to the red card we know what's going to happen as Deitch is a pain to point out every single time yeah. the referee goes to the monitor the decision has effectively it seems already been made still yet to see someone stick with their on-field decision but you know it was um you know, a hugely contentious decision the latest hugely controversial decision to go against Everton to an investor fixture list which had been which had been filled with them and it's a source of frustration within the club outside the club you know heard James Coleman's words after it spoke to Jab Branthwaite after it you know the dressing room is furious the dressing room Dyche is mild with his comments he's measured with his comments but believe me the players there they're incensed by the way that they feel that they've been treated over this Christmas period. It's dodgy decision after dodgy decision. And when you pull them out in isolation, you can maybe say, I can understand why that or understand that. But when you look at the whole collection and you look at the decisions that haven't gone in Everton's favour again, you really start to kind of come across a narrative of a team that is trying to progress against adversity. We know it's got a small squad. We know that it's been hit with injuries. We know they've had tough games over recent week. But it really feels like they've been playing one hand behind the tight behind their back. When you look at... I don't even think some of these are 50-50s, but even at their most generous terms, when you look at some of the decisions, it feels like every 50-50 has gone against Everton and, and that really is having an impact, had an impact last night. It's going to be costly for January unless it, the appeal is successful. I mean, Gav, we, we were stunned in real time there in the ground. I mean, where the penalty area was was actually right in front of us as well. So we were right side on for yeah. it. I mean, watching it back at home on, on the television, maybe we, what were your thoughts? Were you, were you shocked? Just kind of ringing out my ear, yeah. But uh, no, Joe's Joe's right. I mean, goes back to what my initial reaction when uh, that passage of play was was Cabo. Why did he do that? Should the punch was Dan Gima free on the right hand side when he was like, Oh, what's what's this going? Oh, this is the pass that you bam, blah blah blah, Mm -hmm. and all this type of stuff. And then it goes, I think you tweeted during the game, Joe, that actually it's not clear what's going on here. Remember, in the aftermath, but what? And then he said something around the VAR, and I thought, What for? And then they, they, they looked at it, and then there was, was, you know, and that speaks volumes, doesn't it, for the process, doesn't it, really, about the, the, the chain of events that actually nobody really understood what was going on, yeah. uh, at least of all the match officials. And then when they said VAR, I said, why for? And said, Calvaloon, and they're looking at it, and now that's not going to be. That's not, there's no problem over that, really. And then you look at it again, and then you see a leading let or oh, studs or whatever, and think, now that's all right. And even, I think there's that video clip, isn't it? It was Anderson, was it, going to Carvaloon? That's not a red card. Yeah, yeah. The Palace player. So the action of the players was, um, you know, that there's no issue here for us. This is just going to be a, you know, perfunctory check. And, and guess what? You know, within, what, what a minute or so, call to the uh, the booth. I have, I have a problem, by the way, I think. I'd like to see the stats about getting when it's on the home ground and when it's on the away ground, you know, that you know, but the, you know that'd be an incessant thing. Uh, and then when he gets called over, you know, the way it's gone forward so far, this is going to happen, this. Yeah. Uh, but I was still, you know, couldn't believe it. It was a, a red card like everybody else. And uh, my angst was then complete with uh, McNeil getting an injury, which yeah. we obviously talk about. But it was, just a, it was just a sequence of events that I just thought was... It was just, just so unnecessary, wasn't it? I think it's not the third time or fourth game we've had a major decision yeah. go against us where the referee on the pitch has not given 
has not not given a decision against us, but the VAR has intervened. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah, because referee gave the penalty against Ronaldo. Would always a yeah or whichever, but he didn't give it. But yeah, the linesman did. But initially, yeah, sorry, yeah, but initially the referee didn't give it. He was called over by the linesman, give it, didn't he? You know, then told him. But you know, initially the referee and the Ronaldo one didn't didn't think there was anything wrong, and I just. I think we can feel hard by done by Joe mentioned fifty fifty. I'd say maybe seventy days in our favour. Yeah, and then it's being pulled back. You know, it's not just a marginal thing last night, was it? Really? You know, was the the Gomez one a marginal one? Not so sure about that. Didn't think that on the pitch. The Anana one possibly, um, but you know the. I, I just yeah, I can I can I can barely believe that decision last night. Yeah. To be honest with you, in the context of what we see, you know, in terms of football and the way it's, you know, refereed and stuff, that type of decision, I, I find it hard to believe it was. Uh, and it's not many decisions go well, up yeah, here. Everybody unanimously piles on. Yeah, whatever you know, whatever your bias is and stuff, and says that's that's the that shouldn't be a right card, and 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 that's my opinion as well. Yeah, I mean, we've had a message come through here, Josh. More an observation from. Chris uh, Nielsen um, on Facebook saying the ref was so bad, I'm surprised he didn't send the keeper off for handling the ball. But as we've said, it wasn't the, it wasn't the on the field referee, Chris Cavana, as Gav just pointed out, who made that initial decision. He in real time had signaled to play on, and it was only um, the officials back at Stockley Park who brought this to attention. And I suppose we sort of debated this on the train on the way back, saying that you know he he can have the courage of his convictions to go with his. As Sean Dyke says, I mean, that just seems to hardly ever happen at all. Yeah, I mean, he's effectively being called over by his bosses to say, have a little, have a second pick about what, what about your decision, which is, you know, more often not only going to lead lead one way. But I think it's really important for a red card such as this to factor in the decision that was made at the time. Because when you're accusing someone of essentially being, you know, serious foul play, like, you know, it's, you know, it's got to be reckless, it's got to be, in, you know, in danger. Yeah. The other player's got to you know, use excessive force, all those words within the definition. And, you know, in order to do that, you know, Chris Cavana has watched that incident in real time, aware of the full context of that moment. He's watched Calvert Lewin flick the ball up for Mahinson. He's watched him go in for that, and he's not seen anything of concern. And, you know, when I think of the archetypal red card for something like this, you think of a, of a reckless lunge, you think of a player that's. That's that's got momentum behind him and yeah. jumping in something or something that's very high or something that makes clear contact and none of those really apply to this and I think that matters when because I know that when you go to the VAR as Gav pointed out off the air they now have changed it so that they look at it in real time Fair. first on, yeah. on the monitor but still that decision making process that happened on the pitch. Chris Cavana is one of the most highly qualified, one of the best referees in the country. He must be if he's refereed at this level. And there is was not one single thing which made him think, ooh, it didn't even give a foul. It's not like he no. gave a foul and then yeah, gave a booking, yeah. or he gave a foul and then booked him. Didn't even give a foul. And I think that's part of the issue. And that goes back to similarly look at Andre Gomez for the Calvert Lewin goal against Spurs quite recently. And in that case, the referee and the linesman had a perfect view of everything that was happening. And they didn't give it. And then VAR intervenes, the goal gets disallowed. And it's just that that idea, that frustration that I think, again, Deitch alludes to with, there's obviously a fine line in this, but at what point is VAR being used to correct serious errors of misjudgment or serious errors of judgment? And at what point is it actually just refereeing the game? And you're starting to look at these and you're thinking, 
you know, come on, because then when you start going, and, and I know that obviously they look at it in real time when they see it on the monitor now, but then they go forward a slow motion and look, you can, you can, you can, you can slow that down to a screen grab that looks very damning for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Mm. And there is a chance that Everton don't win the appeal because if you are really looking for it, you can find an angle that makes it look like the decision but it really wasn't when you take everything else into account. And that's the most troubling aspect of this. I think if you know, there's no kind of accommodation for the what's happening. I, when when I look at that and then I think about some of the decisions over the eighteen last 18 months that haven't been given against Everton for serious foul play, Yeah, I think of Jordan Ayew against Anthony Gordon, the last game of the season against Crystal Palace at yeah. Goodison Park. When he scythed him down, you know, went between his legs. It was high over the ball and he lunged and he didn't get anything for it. VAR didn't step in to help Everton. You know, I think of Erling Haaland against Manchester City away over Christmas of last year. Oh, yeah, yeah. When he's when when it is so premeditated, he's he's riled up by Ben Godfrey, yeah. corner gets cleared, Mikalenko isn't he's looking in the opposite direction and out of absolute nowhere, you see this well, not out of absolute nowhere, absolute nowhere for Mikalenko who can't see him, but you can see Erling running and picking up seeing 15 yards away to, to lunge in off the ball on, on, on Mikalenko, make contact. Yeah, doesn't intervene to help Everton in, in, in that respect. And then I think probably slightly more, slightly less clear-cut ones because there's there's harder to argue premeditation or big build-up. But when you look at when you, when you you look at that damning screen grab, which you could just about create for, for Calvert-Lewin last night, I mean, it's still nowhere near as bad as, say, Mitrovic or Idrissa Gay at Craven Cottage last season. Still known and we're near. It doesn't look anywhere near as bad as Virgil van Dijk on Onana yeah. at Goodison Park in the derby last season. And you just look at all of these, and you know the 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 neutral or you know the someone on the outside would say, you know, these decisions even themselves up, or, or where are they even themselves up? Because all of a sudden I'm going through a two year period here, and 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 it's only going in one way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's all right. I mean, I think there's two issues here. It's the inconsistency of the decision making of match officials. And you just, you know, I mean, you see, I mean, there's that video knocking about at the moment, isn't there? All the, the ones against Evan. I think the Van Dyke one against Anahan. <laughs> that was just, you know, so it's the inconsistency of match officials. I totally get that. But it, I think the, probably the more general point is the role of VAR and, and, and this thing about, you know, what its role is and clearly and obviously others and this position now where there's been there's two instances now where it's basically re refed the game, hasn't it? Which is the Gomez one and the uh, the one last night where they just the referee's seen it, happy assistants happy and they just say they're just intervening. And that's that's the point for me. That's the big point for me. Because yeah. I don't think I mean VAR in its you know, in the scenario last night would be that the referee gives uh, Carvalhoon a red card. He would actually the VAR to intervene and say, that's not a red card. Actually, that's not really within the rules of the game. Uh, you know, red card, have a look at it on the screen. And then, then you change it. You know, you don't give give the red card. And VAR has done the, done the opposite, yeah. hasn't he? That, that's to me, the, you know, what, you know, probably in, in, for it to work, probably that's what would have happened last night, um, but it didn't. And I think um, I think it's just a re-referee in the game and choosing when to re-referee mm. the game is the issue for me. And and I get I get that I get that totally from from last night and um, and Evan I think Evan appealing it. But I mean within as Joe was saying, there is you know then the day when it goes to appeal, you know Calvert-Lewin gave. You know that old adage does give it the system because he leads, mm. he leads with his studs. I'll be it, you know, it's not particularly high, 
And, um, you know, there's that thing in the law, isn't it, that if you're endangering an opponent. But that's his objective here, isn't it? Was he endangering opponent last night? Well, not really, because he, he, he hit Clyde, didn't he? But it was only like a... It's not a lunge, It's not a lunge, And he gets the ball at the end of the day, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. He jumps into it, but when I say that, I don't mean in, in, in an aggressive way, in, in the fact that, like, he's almost from a standing start and just kind of leans into it. He's trying to get the ball. It's put yeah. around, the rap is put around the ball and scoop it. It's not a... A full-blooded 50-50, yeah. it's me or you, I'm, I'm going in for this, is it? No, or oh, somebody's got the ball. A lot of the ones are, or these ones where somebody's got control of the ball or something like that, or it, I'd say 50, and the opponent lunges at them and then hits them. It wasn't like that last night at all, was it? I mean, I think Klein actually reaches the ball slightly before Carvalhoon, but he kicks the mm. ball into Carvalhoon, doesn't he? Uh, he's not in control of the ball. And, you know, and, and is he endangering opponents? I don't think he is. And because um, there's a lot, if that's the case, there's a lot more challenges yeah. where the opponent is endangered and sometimes injured and the red car's not being given. And that, that's a frustrating thing for me. But the most frustrating thing is the role of VAR, Chris, and the way that's being allowed to change since it's come in, where it's now re-refereeing -re games. And I think that's that's uh, something that needs to be addressed sooner yeah. rather than later. Well, it's funny, well, we had another comment, but I'm just going to go back to something that Henry Winter said earlier today before FC Everton had launched that appeal, saying that Everton should sh surely appeal a Calvert-Lewin's red. He neither endangered the opponent, mm -hmm. opponent nor used excessive force, which yeah. is what we just said there, uh, yeah. the PGMOL has to restore confidence in on-field referees to back themselves. So that's going against what we've been saying here, where they're almost like duty-bound to go with what they're being told. Deliver more consistency and worse challenges. Get only yellow and invest um, even more into improving standards. Now, the comment we've had now, again, from Facebook, from Ken Crosby, he says there should be a time limit. It must be clear and obvious. Yeah. It should take more, no more than 50 seconds. I mean, guess this has been one of the major problems is, maybe last night the problem was with the actual decision was being made. But, I mean, these issues do go on and we're left wondering what's going on for a seemingly an age. I think I remember the the Dominic Calvert-Lewin goal that did get given against Luton. That one seemed to take for, for ages earlier this season. What was, what was the one on Saturday where they scored after two minutes of the dance? of the game after took four minutes to decide whether the goal would be scored so actually <laughs> longer than they've longer played than already they played already yeah that's a, that's a shout and that's another aspect of what's, what's clear and obvious but it's just the, the re-referee in the game last night uh, Keith Hassett was a former referee he was a great referee Keith Hassett yeah. so, Keith I mentioned him a piece more. later so yeah. yeah and he was saying last night they had an SVAR working which I would imagine means supervisor of VAR and I was wondering what their role in it Super is well, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely um, what their role in it was, and um, I, I, I get, I get the angst of everybody on this, and it's not just as Andy Winters just pointed out; it's not yeah. just with uh, Everton supporters. This, so you know, something's wrong there. Then, don't you? When that's yeah. happening, and Henry, yeah, voice for reason. Um, yeah, well, you know, of course, you know, people say, of course, Evertonians will react like this. But if Henry Winter is saying stuff like that, well, you you probably think you've got a strong case there. So, given that. I mean, as we put you both on the spot now, I mean, Joe, would you, would you expect us to, to win this appeal now? Well, it's quite unpredictable, isn't it? And you, you never quite know how they uh, interpret the rules of the game. Like I say, you know, I can see a scenario in which they might think, it, it's, again, it's that serious and obvious error, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I mean, they could find a way to say that wasn't, the red card wasn't a serious and obvious error, but I, I think it'll be, be overturned. I hope it'll be overturned because this is, you know, the, the corollary to all this, the follow-on point is that, you know, we're talking about this incident in isolation, but that's a big impact. You know, this is three games, Dominic Carver-Lewin now misses. 
Yeah. You know, he, that, that was a decision that could have threatened Everton out the FA Cup. Yeah. Obviously, it didn't. But unless the unless the appeal wins, that's three games. This is a this is a small squad that is stretched to the its bone at the minute because the players are exhausted after a busy best of fixture list, and now they lose one of their most important players for Aston Villa in in the league, the FA Cup replay, and then whatever comes next if they win the FA oh, Cup yeah. fourth fourth ball on the way, you know, and those two Premier are hugely important given the context of where the season is now. You add into that the injuries that they already have. We don't really know the extent of, of Adrissa Gay's injury. The likelihood, the likelihood on Adrissa Gay is that we will learn the full extent of that by whether or not he goes to the Africa Cup of Nations, um, which I think he's being assessed for at the minute. And obviously, Dwight McNeil looked a serious one as well. So, mm. you know, these decisions and and all the ones that gone before them have a real impact on everything. You look at where Everton are in the, in the table now because of the points deduction, but obviously January is a little bit nervy than any or any of us would like it to be because there's only one point between Everton and, and and Luton. Well, you know, you go back to, back to those decisions. Well, you know, Anana penalty should have been given on Anana against Kulisewski at Spurs. Calvert-Lewin goal could have been allowed to stand. All of a sudden, Everton, they were the better side for the majority of that game, could have got a point from that from that match, could have gone on to win it. They deserve to win, I think. And again, you look at Manchester City and look, Manchester City had just equalised and they were going for the gears. I think... Yeah. I think, I think it was. I think they would have been certainly favourites who have got a win mm. in that game, but they had a big help in hand when they gave that penalty against Amadou Anana. And again, I think with that one, our, our gripe with that is probably the rules of the handball law rather than necessarily the fact that the penalty was was given. But even then, you look back to say something like Christian Romero against Manchester United early this season, when there was a you know there's a far greater difference between him and and and, and the person who took the shot, and his arm was far more outstretched, and the penalty wasn't given. And you know, again, just like Anana with. You know, Kulisewski gives a penalty away for the same thing against Brighton a couple of days later. It's that, it's that lack of consistency that's just yeah. killing you every time. And you know, these things do have an impact. You look at the Canate double yellow. Again, not VAR, because VAR can't look at double at second mm. yellow cards, but arguably cost Everton. Yeah, Everton were well on their way to a good point at Anfield. And when you're in a situation where Everton are fighting the battle that they are because of a 10-point deduction, Big difference between being, say, maybe one point off the relegation zone going into this list, going into this list of games with suspensions and injuries, and say being three points because all of a sudden you've got an extra, you've got a point at Anfield and a point at Spurs. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, uh, before I ask you the same question, Gav, I've got more comments on it. Because, I mean, last night was obviously was an FA Cup game, but, I mean, 10-point deduction and then, you know, t- 10 points possibly lost from negligible calls all of a sudden, 20 points. But um, David KT on Facebook, who is understandably upset, he says, um, our great game is being destroyed and the referee, not by refs, but by some clowns miles away with their own agenda. Well, they are referees back at um, yeah. Stockley Park, aren't they? Just, just the way Chris Cavan was the man in the middle last night. You know, next week it might be him on the yeah. VAR. But, I mean, do you, do you think... That's an issue in itself, though. Yeah. It? yeah. Um, do you think um, that um, the Everton have got a decent chance with this appeal? Well, well I think... 
do you know do you know when you make an appeal against that card that VAR involvement you get to hear the conversation do you know I don't know I don't know I know they did release it for the, the Spurs game. Nice. Can you ask for it? Because I think there's two elements to the appeal here, isn't it? Whether VAR was used correctly in terms of this clear and obvious error and re-reffing the game issue. And then once it made the decision whether the red card was right in terms of what happened with Calvert-Lewin and the laws of the game and stuff. So I think there's two elements to it in it for me. Mm. I don't think we should just be arguing the case over the the... You know, the incident involving the physical incidents involving Cavalier, it's the way the VAR was used. I think should also yeah. be part of the, the part of the appeal because I don't think, uh, as we were saying there, I don't think it was ever intended to, to be used in, in situations like like last night. Mm. And um, it'll be interesting to see what, what we say, really. But I think the, the damaging thing, as Joe was saying there, there Chris is not. Well, it was it could have been damaging last night, but we actually did well. Didn't we with ten men? Thought Meto did did okay when he came on. It's the three. If it yeah. if it if it goes against us, it's missing Carvalhoon for yeah. three games, uh, three key games, and that's the uh, that's the more damaging. Mm. Yeah, it's not uh, just ten effects. minutes at the end of that. Time. No, it's no, the, no. It, it, it's it's far more than that. Isn't minutes, it? it's, yeah. it's three games, isn't it? Yeah. And then when he comes back, he's not had any game time and stuff like this. So yeah, it's it's a lot more than just uh, the game last night. I think that that's the issue for me. But I think the club should be looking at more more in the appeal, not just on the Calvert Lewin foul itself, but the whole the way the way VAR was operated on by the officials on the night. Yeah. I mean, moving on if we can from from this issue every every alluded to already, there was another potentially uh very uh, serious moment that even later on when Dwight McNeil, I mean, I was looking at a replay, Sean Dykes told me he didn't actually see what had happened at the time, but I, I think McNeil tripped over one of his t- own teammates, but very sad to see him uh, being, he was very still there and then stretched off at the end. Uh, Joe, we were told he's going to be assessed this next uh, day or so, so we don't know quite where he's up to yet, but it's, it's not nice to see one of Everton's most creative players uh, having to leave the field in that manner. Yeah, not nice to see anybody leave the field in that manner. And, uh, you know, it was a real concern. I mean, yeah, they were talking about ankle issue and... There's a ankle issue in it, and the, the comments after the game last night suggested it might not have been as, as bad as it first looks. At first, it looked really, really bad. Like, I mean, I, we, I didn't know it was his ankle at first, and you know, when he was stretched off beyond us, you know, he, wanted, he, he wasn't moving the lower half of his body. You know, he had his hands and his, his head in his hands and things like that. Was, he was, was clearly conscious and stuff, but, you know, it, it didn't look very good for him. You know, it didn't look very good from that's going to be really interesting to see what happens because obviously he's such a crucial player and you know, Evans January is now at least one game busier, could be two games busier. Um could be a lot you know, they could be one of their most important attacking players down in, in, in Dominic Calvert Lewin and you know, who knows how serious this injury could be, but he's a player that has ever and found to their own detriment at the beginning of the season is, is very, very hard to replace because of everything that he does, not just going forward, but also going back and also with his set-piece delivery. You know, he is one of a handful of players like Adelaide Corey, who is vital to how the Sean Dykes machine works. And, yeah. you know, that squad is small enough for it to only really have a plan A. You know, there isn't a plan B and a plan C within that. So when you take one of its most vital cogs out, that is obviously an area for concern. We obviously hope that he's you know, one that is not as serious as it looks and then two, that he makes a full recovery as as quickly as possible because he's, he's a player that has been very, very important to Everton and probably with the core, he is, those two have probably been the two players that have been the most important to Everton under Dyche. That's both in terms of keeping Everton up last season and then setting the foundations for what has 
largely been a season of progress this one. Mm. I mean, when things have gone well, Gav, under Sean Dyche, um, McNeil tends to be in the heart of things, um, top scorer last season with 5-0-7 goals coming after Dyche's appointment. And then two goals to start of December, just sort of set the way for that. I mean, it was the win at Nottingham Forest, wasn't it? And then set them on the way against uh, Newcastle United as well. So he does seem to be at the heart of things when things are going well. So it is a concern. Yeah, he offers us something different, doesn't he? Um, in terms of he gives us width when he plays out, and he out left, doesn't he? Uh, he played out right, didn't he? Started on the right, yeah, 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 didn't make it. Yeah, I think um, he gives us width. Obviously, he's, he's left footed, and he just gives us something different. He's, he's a match winner, isn't he, mm. McNeil? Yeah, he's a, he'll, he'll win games for you in a squad where there are many. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, and we, we haven't got many, many of them, um, and just we had the conversation, didn't we, early in the week about January? Transfer activity. I'm just, just wondering. You well, know yeah, what's it's happened it's last it's night. You know, it's, it's a perfectly yeah. legit kind of, you know, conversational thread, isn't it? Because yeah. If you know, obviously we know Dominic Calvert-Lewin's not a fitness issue, so the, so that's just a case of hoping the appeal works, and if not, waiting it out. And obviously, Beto is, is is there as a as a foil that wasn't there in the last two seasons, so that's not quite as severe. But you know, if. If McNeil's is a really long term, they were probably already one winger light. Yeah. Um, and that was a situation that was exacerbated even further by the what felt like a real unwillingness of Dykes to use Dan Juma. And Dan Juma's had a few more minutes in the last few weeks. I mean, he's had to basically, but he has looked quite good. I thought he looked dangerous against Spurs when he came on. And, um, <coughs> excuse me, and like I said, started, said at the beginning of this, I think he had a good game last night. And that is something which will make all the decisions. Whilst McNeil is out slightly easier, it makes the picture a little bit better than, say, Dan Stinker or, or not being used, but they probably needed another winger anyway. Whether or not they'd have gone out and got one, I don't think they necessarily would have done, but they would probably be in a situation where they, if an opportunity had arisen, they'd, they'd consider it. It's one of the areas of the pitch where they could do with a bit of support. Well, if the, if the, if the news is bad on Dwight McNeil and all of a sudden he's looking at months then there might not be much money in the kitty for and there might not be much room for manoeuvre, but all of a sudden you are starting to look at that and going, again, this is how this is how the 10 points changes anyway, definitely, and, and, and don't want to go back to the deduction, but this is why it's not just one punishment, it's four, five, six punishments wrapped up in, in a whole host of punishments, because you could be, you know, if I haven't had that 10 points, and say Dwight McNeil's out for three months, they'd be 11 points away from the relegation zone, and right now you might be saying, you know what, they can probably yeah. ride through the loss of him and, yeah. and work with Dobbin and Dan Juma. And now all of a sudden you're looking at one point and can Everton afford not to strengthen yeah. if McNeil is injured? And if that is the case, that's a system that's supposed to be encouraging fiscal responsibility, yeah. actually having the complete opposite effect. Yeah, perversely, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a good point. It's not just the, the 10 points, it's the, it's the, the appeal process, isn't it? Yeah, because <laughs> ideally you want that. the appeal process. I mean, don't get going down the right rabbit hole there, is it? <laughs> like, you want that finished by January, don't you? Because yeah. that, that will inform. You know what you need to, what we need to do, possibly, and other clubs, as we've said. So yeah, so it, there's there's lots of stuff, isn't there? You know, about with Matt this injury that um, you know could have an impact on us in, in lots of different ways. But if you know, if you if you're talking about the players, it always happens in football. The players you least want to get injured always end up more often than not being. Being in the areas you don't have yeah, the cover, yeah. yeah. And McNeil's a player we can not afford to lose for a for a, a lengthy period at the time because I, I think he I think he's a good player. McNeil and the officer's something different, and he's a match winner, as I say. Yeah, 
And then you the other end of the pitch, we talked about the positives, obviously, uh, on, on June, but down at the other end, Joe, um, Joe, Joe Virginia, I mean, I, I must admit, you know, I'm not a fan of the, the cup-keeper policy. I mentioned that beforehand. Jordan Pickford have played all the games this season, including the cup games, and we talked about this, perhaps the Doncaster-Carabao Cup game might have been more obvious chance to, to, to feel Virginia, see what he was all about, but put him in last night for what was actually, as we were discussing, his first game in front of a crowd for Everton, because his previous three appearances all come in the behind-closed-doors COVID um, era, but I mean, he got top marks from me, 8, eight out of 10, my highest-rated play for Everton, and a couple of crucial saves, keeping him in it from SA second half. Yeah, he played, he played really well. Um, yeah. You know, Everton were under caution this game, he... I said after the game on the little video that he kept Everton in the game, and what I meant by that was that say that fingertip saving I think the eighth minute of nine in stoppage time. If that goes in, obviously Everton are out of the cup. They've lost lost the game, mm. uh, but it was a brilliant save, and you know he he made a number of of good stops. wasn't you know, It wasn't tested throughout, but you know he dealt with everything that came to him in his air, dealt with all the shots that came his way, and these were very very difficult conditions with a goalkeeper as well. Like yeah. I mean, you know he, he, him heading out there at the beginning, you think. <sighs> You could forgive him for thinking, you know, blinking heck, you know, could it could have could have been Doncaster and, and away in the you know, the the team at the bottom of League Two, yeah, uh, you know, in a, a, on a dry night in August, and instead I'm I'm up against one of the most promising playmakers in in the Premier League in Eze, you know, in a in a cup competition against Premier League opposition, slippy ball, oh, yeah. the slippy ball in horrendous <laughs> conditions, so yeah. he, he acquitted himself very well, yeah. and it, it was it was good to see. It was quite interesting because. I don't think that Deitch saw Palace as a free hit. And I think that I was on radio, I was on BBC London before the game. I was saying this was a game that had actually all of a sudden out of nowhere become very, very important for Everton because they lost, if you count the Carabao Cup, they lost four in a row. And mm. January is a game, is a month where there are many games, which there's potential to be a lot more. But whilst that, whilst that cup, whilst that run of fixtures, was misleading in, from a results perspective because really the only bad performance, the only truly bad performance was against Wolves. They were mm. they were poor against Fulham, but they got themselves back into it somehow. You know, the aberration was a Wolves game. But if if you'd had that and then you'd have had a defeat against Palace last night, all of a sudden, for a very quiet January, which is also likely to be quiet-ish on the transfer front, you would have had all of us sat there with our... Our last abiding memories of Everton being Wolves, then being knocked out of the cup, and looking at a table which says that Everton are only one point again because of the deduction, only one point clear of the relegation zone. And from a kind of a PR, from an optics point of view, just from a mood perspective, a defeat last night could have made January just that little bit more nervy and frustrating and angst-ridden than it perhaps deserves to be. Instead, what they've done is. And um, you know, they they've ended that losing sequence. They've they've had a good result, a re- an all right performance, boosted by the fact that some squad players have come in, like Virginia, like Dan Juma, and done pretty well. Um, and they've just it's just changed the storyline a little bit. Um, unfortunately, that good work is then undone by the frustration over VAR and Cover Lewin sending off, mm. and also you know now the 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 the, the worrying um, position we find ourselves in over McNeil. So it's, it's you know it's almost a, a draw, but at what cost? And we'll find out the cost in the coming weeks. But that was an important game. I don't think that Dyke saw it as a free hit, but he, what he probably did do was look at it as this is my last chance to have a look at a few of these players with there mm. being a little bit less pressure. And I think it probably may, you know, 
I was surprised that he used Virginia, but I'm glad that he did because Everton are now in a stronger position because of it. If Jordan Pickford has to miss a game for a suspension or yeah. an injury or something like that, then all right, there's still a huge drop off between him and Virginia when you look at their experience. But at least you've got Virginia there and played in front of the crowd, kept the clean sheet in tough conditions against good opposition. That helps everyone. The situation with McNeil is slightly, just slightly better than it would have been for the reason I just said, because Dan Juma came in and played well. And you, know, you, you have to, on a night that was so difficult and so frustrating uh, and so worrisome, you have to cling on to those positives. And, and luckily, there are some positives to cling on to for Everton. Yeah. yeah. Golden Virginia, uh, Gav, um, was he, were you pleased with the uh, display from the, the young goalkeeper? <laughs> they headline, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. 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 Um, Spent twelve hours telling me that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think, like you, Chris, I'm not a great fan of the the yeah. the playing just just about the nominal sub sub keeper in in cup games, but and, and I felt like as you say, why, why are you playing him tonight? But didn't play him, at, you know, in the, in the Carabao Cup. But yeah, he was excellent. I thought his handling was good. He did a couple of good punches. I, I thought in the first half he might have got caught out. Off him on you and the ball went over the far post mm-hmm. and they planned very clear, but that's yeah, it. Tarkovsky, yeah. Mikhail called Tarkovsky, yeah. deflected over him. Uh, yeah, I, I was by the end of it, I was uh, for you know confidence in him and and he made a couple of good saves in the second half and it was hugely encouraging for me really because as you say it's not somebody we've seen before really play for yeah. for for, for Everton. Um, but yeah, good and he, he was definitely worth. What do you say? Give him mate on time. Right. Yeah, nice. well deserved. Yeah, yeah. Joe, we've had more comments. They're coming in thick and fast, thanks. So uh, all our, our viewers and listeners out there, it's it's, it's Two-Wheel Lucas on YouTube this time. And uh, Two-Wheel Lucas says, why no slow-mo review of the Beto penalty incident? Now, this is something Sean Dyche mentioned in the press conference after the game. Also, the red card doesn't happen if Dyche subs DCL earlier, as he should have done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, interesting on, on both counts. I mean, I didn't think the Beto was a penalty in real time to be honest it wasn't something that I was chomping at the bit for the decision to be given but again you know we've, we've been through this with Dominic Calvert-Lewin didn't think that was even a foul in real time and when you when you say oh there's a decision to be made here if you wanted to find a reason to send him off you could just about you could just about I'm not saying it's the right decision you could just about find a still that got you there I mean, I think we've all seen the steal of Beto with the arms around him. And yeah. again, when you take that out of the context of what happens, it's a dangerous thing to do in relation to these decisions. But it, it's as damning as any picture against Calvin for the red card. And, and for that reason, I can understand the, the you know, I can understand the frustration. Um, in relation to taking Dominic Calvin off, I think he was literally just about to be subbed off. And yeah. and, 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 and in, in yeah. fairness to you know the comments, we saw the impact that Beto had even with ten men. You know, we yeah. Corey occupied the centre backs, and he. He created probably the best chance of the game when when he, when he he crossed for for um, for James, James Garner and I think it might bobble before it got to Garner and he put it over the top from about 12, 15 yards and you know so so Barrow came in and had an immediate impact so like you know I I you know I think I think they're fair points yeah I mm. think just to finish on um, obviously we've mentioned obviously Dan Juma and his contribution but Amadou Anana we were talking before we started Gav. Um, he had a real um, sort of um, t- tough time when Everton last at um, Palace. Um, he'd missed the Brighton game. Rinji came back. He was very sort of lacklustre. Dyche took him off at half-time. And obviously, Idrissa Gay, who came on, went on to score the winning goal that, that afternoon. But um, this time, he was up against Eze. Real battle for, throughout. And he, he certainly had some great moments. I thought he had a great, great can you say, great game. He had a, a very good game. 
an honour. And he, he's a player, some would say, deservedly has had a lot of stick yeah. uh, over the last month, not just because of his penalty against Fulham. He, he has been way off the pace, hasn't he? And, and I've seen him a, a couple of times. I thought he should have gone in harder there. I wouldn't say bottled out the challenges, but I think there was one against, I think, City, where he just, just didn't appear to be interested. But last night, I thought he, he played well. He, he, he just sort of stayed in the centre circle, didn't he? A lot of the game, got the ball, passed it on, passed him as crisp, confident, got the, got rid of it, the ball quickly, moved it on. Um, and, you know, he was probably not even playing at 70%, was he, in Arna last night? I think he just breezed through the game, didn't he? And that, that's the frustrating thing with him is... Is you know there's a lot more with him, even when he yeah. plays well last night. Mm-hmm. You, you know there's a lot more to him, and um, he do, doesn't really show that. But I thought he was, I thought he was probably our best outfield player last night. I thought he was, he was excellent, and uh, hopefully that's given. He may have had a kick up the backside at some point, possibly. Hopefully that's given him the impetus for some. I'm just saying, Joe was saying some difficult games and difficult times ahead of us. If he got a couple of injuries over the next month or two, I thought he was excellent. And uh, what what is he even, Mark Wise? Oh, you only got the seven. In the oh, end. yeah, seven. That's all right then. Yeah, go on. Uh, yeah. Possibly eight, but I thought yeah. he was excellent. Yeah, I was yeah. just just going to go to you, Joe. Um, we, as Gav was saying about Anana's general consistency, uh, just before the Wolves game, actually, because Everton had reached the halfway point in the Premier League, I got the old calculator out and I totted up the numbers from the first half of the season with the player ratings. And Anana's average mark was just over six. Mm. And considering you know the potential and the ability we all know he's got, and which we know that the club believe he, he has, I mean, we, they were saying at the start of the season, obviously Manchester United were, were linked at that point. And um, I understand it was at the club... Felt that you know, Casado had obviously just gone to Chelsea for over a hundred million, and they felt in time he had he had the potential to be at that kind of level, if if not better. So we all know what a great talent he, he could be, and it's little glimpses like this that makes us think we just wish he could be like this on a more regular basis. Yeah, I mean there are yeah there, there's a wider context which was happening. Obviously, you know he, he's played in a side which is limited as well, and and as he's playing a side that doesn't have much of the ball, and you know. It'd be interesting to see what he did. Obviously, you know, plays for Belgium as well. So I mean, I've got to be perfectly honest. I don't want I don't watch too many ninety minutes of, of of him again. Who playing with Belgium? Where obviously they've got some yeah. some absolute world class players around him. But um, I don't think it's necessarily all on him. But um, yeah, we know that he is a real talent. And I think obviously the game that stands out for all of us is Deitch's first game against Arsenal when he ran the show and you know impressed the Arsenal dressing room and you know Arsenal are a club that's still interested in him now. Partly because of that, and partly because they can see the talent that, yeah. that 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 he is. Obviously, part of him maturing as a player is finding some consistency, um, and that isn't easy. And of course, he has suffered injury as, as well. So you know, he missed a good four or five weeks in the um, across November, December. Uh, but there's no doubt that there's a there's a talent there. Absolutely no doubt. And you know, if Everton are to get to a position where they can kind of kick on to the next stage of their progress and consolidate themselves as a mid-table side, you know, he's a player that can almost help fast-track them to get there. You know, I think we all probably anticipate that his long-term future is away from Everton. It feels like that's an area yeah, around yeah. him. And it probably feels as if... It probably feels as if it would take him to move to another club and, and then we'll probably see far better from him and go, where was that player for Everton? But I think he's got the potential to be there. What he's got to do now is, if, if that's his agenda, he's got to justify the price tag because Everton will obviously value him very highly and, and, and 
you know, the better position out there in financially. Obviously, things aren't brilliant on that front at the moment. The the more willing they'd be to hold out for that. But, you know, there's a lot of hype around him and he has still has to live up to that, I think. And he has to find a consistency. He's a big part of that. But we know he's a very good player. He played very well last night and he was probably the major role in keeping Emirates as a quiet. So, mm. you know, he, he deserves credit for that. And hopefully, you know, he can grow into the second half of the season and, and really help because, you know, like Gavaliers who there, they're going to need everyone to step mm. up. Well, for a long time, it didn't seem so, but they, we always seem to have plenty to talk about, whatever happens. Um, <laughs> something always crops up. We're never sure it's a podcast yeah. if the game finished yeah. on 70th minute. The, yeah, absolutely, yeah. 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 But uh, we'll be obviously did the, the, the break now um, ahead of the um, the Aston Villa game, but you know we'll be back with you again uh, next week with uh, more views on the Blues. And, but um, I've been your host, Chris Beasley, been joined by Joe Thomas and Gavin Buckland. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.